0: Um, I actually almost didn't want to start. I wanted to go into communion immediately. Um, I'm really wanting to do communion. And it's just so wonderful to be in the presence of God. And when we're in His presence, I I often say this is that we're transformed because I can't help but notice how I'm very different Leaving the Lord's presence and when I'm in His presence compared to when I let the the cares of this world get a little bit too loud. and So when we're in His presence, it's amazing how everything grows faintly dim. And so let us return to His presence regularly. And as we uh, spend time in worship regularly, as we spend time reading His word regularly, may may we make it part of our daily breath that we breathe in His word and exhale His word, that we breathe in His presence and exhale His presence. To use imagery to mean that in everything that we do, may we do it for the worship and honor of the Lord. And so, this morning before I uh, start with the message that I feel the Lord laid on my heart, there's an image that I would like to share. And the Lord showed me an image of people uh, getting ready and as they were, they were getting ready to uh, to go to parade, they were in, uh, with, their, uh, w- with their sword and with their armor. And they were getting ready to... Uh, to go out, but these swords were wooden, and this armor uh, was not real armor. And so as I saw this image, I saw, I just had the the sense of a a love and a compassion and a kindness, and that the Lord wanted to exchange, and he wanted to say, give me those wooden things that actually are just for training and, and not really for going out into battle, and give me that armor that's not really armor, and allow me to give you that which I really want to give you. And it's the armor of God. And so uh, it's with that image that, that I, as a backdrop, that I speak about the, the message uh, with the title, it, it, it Is Written. And as we, as we go uh, through, through the passage concerning uh, this, uh, I, want you, I want to encourage you that you go home and don't have it be, oh, this was, maybe I, I liked that point or this point, I didn't really like the rest of this, but go and read what God's word says. And so with the title, it is written, you would well imagine that it has to do with the account where Jesus is tested or tempted by Satan and it's found in Matthew 4, so you can start to turn there. I'm gonna be reading from Matthew 4 verses 1 through uh, 211. And while you turn there, I just want to say that this isn't an extensive Bible study on this particular passage because that would be a very long time that we would be here. And so what I do want to encourage you is go and do a Bible study on this passage, and as you do the Bible study on this passage, you'll see that there's a lot that we can take from this interaction that Jesus had with Satan tempting him. And so I'll be covering certain aspects with the express intention of encouraging each of us, including myself, that we need to have the Word of God written on the tablets of our heart, and that we don't just have... Uh, a few uh, passages or a few scriptures of the, of the word being read to us on a weekly basis, and if we go to life group, we get it a second time round, and that's all that we have. But we need to have his word written on the tablets of our heart, the kind that don't need battery. So in Matthew 4 from verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. And now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. And so this is a little bit of a, or it can be seen as a bit of a showdown of showdowns. This is Satan coming to tempt or to test Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And there are quite a few things that we can learn from this passage, but the first thing that I just want to share is just to give a, a short overview of the different temptations that Jesus faced, and what does that mean for us? And so Jesus faced different temptations that follow the three patterns that are common to all humanity. The first one is the temptation of concerning the lust of the flesh. Our Lord was hungry, and the devil tempted him to convert stones into bread. And so what did Jesus do? He replied with scripture. He replied with Deuteronomy 8 verse three. The second one is temptation concerning the pride of life. And here the devil uses a verse verse of scripture. He even used scripture. And he used Psalm 91 verses 11 and 12. But then Jesus replies again with scripture to the contrary with Deuteronomy 6.16, stating that it is wrong for him to abuse his own power. And then the third temptation concerns the lust of the eyes. And if there was ever a way that if Jesus here on earth could circumnavigate or go around the element of having to die on the cross and all of that that he needed to do on our behalf, it was with this temptation that Satan was offering him. And yet there he still decided to send the enemy away. Again with Deuteronomy 6. And verse 13. He used scripture each time, and each time this scripture is what allowed him to overcome the test or temptation. And so Jesus here modeled something for us. He modeled with how to, deal, how to deal with temptation, and he modeled how we need to endure trials and tribulations, because he tells us there will be trials and tribulations, but take heart, for I have already overcome. And so this was one of those times where he had already overcome for us. He showed us how to overcome it, And so if we go to Hebrews 2:18, we will see one of the reasons why he had to be tested or tempted, and it says, "For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. He can help us, because he himself went through those temptations. Hebrews 4:15 says, "For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses." But in all points, tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so he went through greater temptation than we could ever face greater test that we could ever face. And because of that, he can sympathize and have compassion for us. And so I don't know about you, but how many of us do exactly what Adam and Eve did, that when they messed up, they tried to hide from God. And so when we mess up, we try to distance ourselves. Maybe we feel like there's a disconnect with God. We feel too ashamed to come to, uh, before the Lord. But actually, if we look here, he's saying, because I can sympathize with you, because I was tested, because I was tempted, because all of that, please come to me. So that I can help you, I can help you through these things, and so he was giving us a model of what to do, because yet unlike us, he is without sin, and if you go look here at this passage as well, you'll see that Jesus was led into the wilderness directly after being baptized, and if you go read the account of his baptism, I would say to you that it's probably the most glorious baptism that has ever occurred, and as we see this high point in in the life of Jesus With regards to the baptism, he immediately gets sent out into the wilderness. He goes and he he prays and he fasts for 40 days, and he is now hungry and weak. And then that is when the tempter comes. And so I tell you today that you are not going to be tested when you are feeling strong. But when you are weak, that's when he comes. But I've also noticed that some of our greatest times of weakness, for some reason, tend to be directly after some of our greatest highlights. We have just achieved a big victory, we have just encountered something really big and we have overcome it, we're excited about all of it and then we fall. And so whether it's on those highs or those lows, God is with us. The number 40 is a very important number And both in the days of Noah and in the days of uh, the Israelites in the wilderness, however, however that they failed, Jesus succeeded in this day. He was setting something right. In Jesus coming as man, fully God and fully man, He came and He set something right where humanity had failed before. And so I want to tell you today that the Word of God is more powerful than you think. It's more powerful than you can imagine or fathom. And as we go through this thing, we need to understand that, he does, that the tempter does come when we are weak and that there will be trials and tribulations. But when that happens, we have something in our arsenal. And so this is what Jesus did. The reason Jesus could respond the way that he did was he had what's called a predetermined answer. And this predetermined answer was always found in God's word. But how can we have said predetermined answer if we do not know God's word? How can we have a predetermined answer if maybe the only scripture verses we know are Psalm 23, Psalm 91, Jeremiah 29, 11, John 3:16, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 3, Romans 8. And that's the only ones we know because they're the feel-good ones, right? We need to know everything in between those because as we know everything between those, we are arming ourselves so that when there is temptation, when there is testing, when there is hardship, we are equipped. And the Lord is with us in all of that. So Hebrews 4 says this. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We need to know that the word of God cuts. And it does so in two ways because it's a double-edged sword. It cuts both in attack when we need it to be a weapon, but it cuts us as well so that we can remove from us that which should not be there. And we need to let the word of God cut us. Cut us to the heart, pierce our hearts so that that which is not honoring of the Lord, we let the word of God remove from us like a scalpel. And so the word of God also nourishes us Deuteronomy 8 verse 3, I've read part of it in in this account with Jesus being tempted, but he says, So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Our dependence is on God, not our own strength. It's not by might, nor by power, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord. His word doesn't return to him void. And actually, I I saw in the very uh, deep and philosophical read that is social media, I saw this one person post saying that if if you want to hear God's voice, read his word. And if you want to hear his voice aloud, read his word aloud. And so I do want to say that I agree with that, but there's also the element that we can hear His voice in our hearts. We can all hear His voice. But sometimes what happens is the noise of the world and the noise and the voices of all the people around us are clouding our judgment. And so the starting point is going back to the Word of God. Because when we go back to the Word of God, those other voices can start to get a bit softer. And we can start to hear the audible voice of God in the situation that we are in. And so our dependence needs to be on God and not our own understanding. And I also want to say that dependence on God also implies obedience to God. We cannot be dependent on Him and then not obey Him. That would just be wishing that He were a genie. And He's not, He's God Almighty. Creator God, Lord of heaven and earth, above all things. And yet, this God created you and I. And so who are are we that He is mindful of us? That is the vastness and greatness that He has. And then John 1 verse 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So my question is, why do we as human beings so often try to do things apart from the Lord, not consult his word? Not spend time in prayer, and this kind of prayer is the the prayer where maybe you listen more than you say. And implement that which he has taught us. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Now for something to dwell, it needs to be there for more than a few moments. That's what dwelling is. Dwelling is to stay there for a long period of time. And so it says, let the word of God or let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So we don't casually read the Bible from time to time or maybe when we are feeling convicted. But his word is so much more than that. His word is, is a sword. His word is like a mirror to us. As we read his word, it's a mirror to see, but my life is not congruent with that which I read in here. And because it's not congruent with that, I need to make changes, and I need him to make changes in me. His word must dwell in us, and there's only one way that can happen, that's through time and repetition. Time and repetition, I did that on purpose. But we're very good with time and repetition with things that we like. We're very good with affording time to something and repeating that thing if we like that thing or if it comes easily to us. And you know, we have, to, we have to see that if we go look at our schedule and we see what we spend most time in, that's what's most important to us. And so if you want, go home and do this very simple yet scary exercise. You can list your top five things that you do in, in, in manner of time, how much time you spend on each thing, and when you do that, you may read it and weep, repent before the Lord, and you will see that you are probably going to have to change where spending time in his presence is. I did it once and I I went home, it was after a life group visit, and I, I, I went home and I repented and I said, Lord, how can I not be spending more time with you? I say I love you, but yet I don't spend enough time. And so we need to spend time with the person that we say we love. If we really love him, we'll, want to, we'll have this insatiable desire to always be with him in everything that we do. And that includes reading his word. And so I want to give you this image. It's an image of two, two jars. And in these jars, you can fill them with either blue or red beads. And now what happens is the blue beads represent everything that is good and in keeping with God's will for our life. So that would be things that we would, let's think... Uh, of uh, basic things at first. That would be reading God's word. That will be spending time in prayer. That will be spending time in worship. That will be devotional things, all of that. But it could be other things that the Lord has called you to as well. Maybe he's called you to something to do with evangelism within your workspace. Maybe he's called you to be a business owner or businessman and you're still sitting enjoying a very comfortable salary because you're too afraid to step out, whatever it is. But there are these things, these beads, these blue beads that are in keeping with what God's plan and will is for your life. And we fill our life with those beads during good times. And if we fill a jar with blue beads, it's, it's obviously, it goes without saying it's filled with blue beads, but there might be some red beads. And these red beads represent things that are not in keeping with God's will. And maybe they're not even, it's not even sinful. It's just not in keeping with His will for you. And so well, there might be some things that a lot of other people might be able to do. But for you, they can cause hang-ups. They can cause you to stumble. Whatever that may be. And those beads, let me just again make, make a list. Uh, of of basic things, maybe you're someone who uh, watches way too many uh, episodes of whatever series is your favorite series, and you're on season 22 of whatever series that is, and you have watched all 22 seasons this year so far, and we are on day seven. (laughs) And Maybe that's you. Uh, Just on a side, I don't think anyone's ever been on their deathbed and said, I really wish I watched one more episode of that. (laughs) Um, it could be you're doing something good. People say that reading is good for you. It's good. It opens up your mind to things. It's good for vocabulary and all, all, all those things. But maybe you're reading, to put it simple, rubbish. Maybe you're reading, reading things you shouldn't be reading. Maybe you're watching things that take your mind to things that you shouldn't be going to. Maybe there's nothing actually inherently wrong with that thing that you're watching. But for you, it causes you to stumble. It causes you to have doubt. It causes you to spend too much time on that thing. So, all the red weeds could be anything that could become an idol. And so, we have another jar, and this jar is predominantly filled with red weeds during the good time. And one day, these two people meet, and for some reason, they bump into each other. And that bump is a collision of sorts. Uh, not physically, but probably through words. And what comes out of the person that has spent their time filling their jars with blue beads is the blue beads. So in those times of trouble, if we have before the time of trouble spent our lives filling ourselves with that which the Lord asks us to, in the time of trouble, His word comes out. And when we are tempted, suddenly we can say, it is written, it is written for each one of those things. And suddenly we have wisdom for that, for that scenario. Why? Because we've been filling ourselves with those blue beads. But if we're the person who fills that jar with red beads, what will come out of ourselves in that moment is what we've been filling ourselves with. So if you've been filling yourself with perhaps watching things that are maybe a little bit more on the violent side concerning movies, then maybe when when something happens, you'll be a little bit more aggressive and attacking than you should be. Maybe you wouldn't be implementing the biblical principle of that if someone sinned against you, you go to your brother in private and then try to win him over. And if that doesn't happen, then you go with two or three witnesses. Why? You didn't read that scripture and you didn't know to apply it. You were too busy watching Netflix. And so we need to fill ourselves with the very things that we need when it's a time of trouble, but we do so when it's not a time of trouble. Jesus could respond like this because he had the word inside of him. Jesus is the word. And because of that, he could go through these 40 days of fasting, and at his weakest physical point, he was able to respond as he needed. And we need to understand and we need to admit to ourselves that actually we are responsible. We are responsible for what gets inside of us. We are responsible for what we watch, listen, and read. And we're also responsible for the amounts thereof. And so I'm not saying you need to go cancel every subscription that you have, sell your TV, get rid of the DSTV decoder. For some, maybe it will be good because their team keeps losing. but what we do need to do is we need to have the things that we watch not be the things that guide us, but instead God and His Word and His Spirit need to guide us. It should be Him who is the rudder of our lives and Him who is His Word who is a lamp unto our feet. And so it's all very good and well to say the statement. I love this statement, so as I say it, I'm not actually bashing it but I want to add something to this particular statement, and it's this, it says that God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And so the reason I say it's incomplete, it's not that the statement itself is incomplete. It has a good heart, and the heart behind it is even the one I want to add. But I think many times when we say it, we say God said it, I believe it, and that settles it, and I'll sit right here. But what we actually need to do is add one more, and it's, and I shall live it. Because, what good is the Word of God to you if you read His Word and it's this intellectual exercise that you never use to transform the way that you think or the way that you live? Because if you really want to change your lifestyle, you must first change the way that you think because your thoughts become your words and your words become your actions and your actions over a period of time form your habits. And your habits are your lifestyle. And so if you want to change the way that you live, you need to change the way that you think. And you need to start reading God's word because his word is the compass for our thought life. His word is the compass for how we should live. And so we add that saying, and I shall live it. James 2 verse 18 essentially says this. It says, but someone will say you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. And as we fill ourselves with God's word, things will change within us. So is the word of God in you? Has his word cut you? Has his word transformed you? And so everything that I've said right now is what can be termed very spiritual. So what does that mean for us practically in our day-to-day? We must read, I think, of have hammered that point. We must study what we read. We must pray about what we read. And we must try to understand what we read. And then we need to implement what we read. And so as we read and study and pray and meditate on His Word and spend time Mulling over things and spend time being introspective as well as rather going, sometimes there's going to be something in the Word where you know, I don't need to think about this. I might not even agree with it, but I'm just going to do it. Because you're most welcome to disagree with what the Lord says, just know that you are wrong. And so, in that time of disagreement which I've had, I've also decided to start implementing that which I disagreed with because I know He's right and I'm wrong. And so, as we live it out, sometimes we might even disagree, but do it anyway, because it's in His Word. Live out what the Word of God says to you. And now my question to you is this, does it bother you when you read God's Word, and as you read His Word, you realize that the life that the people were living there is not the life that you are living? It bothers me wholeheartedly, because I read through Acts, and as I read through Acts, I see a life that is powerful and I see that it is consistently powerful, and then I look at my life and I have many testimonies, but it's nowhere near as consistently powerful. And it should bother us that we should, as we read his word, we should go, but Lord, I want that. Help me have that which I do not yet have. Help me attain the promises in your word that I have not yet attained. Show me what that means. Spend time in the secret place with God. So as we go into this year, we have a choice. We can live this year as we've lived last year, and maybe for you that was a good year, but it could be better. Or we can live this year as we lived last year, and maybe for you it was a terrible year and you really like this idea. But as we do, from either perspective, know that if we do what we've always done, we will keep getting what we've always got. And so if you do want to go deeper with the Lord, you need to seek to go deeper with the Lord. You, you need to desire it. You need to read his word and as you read his word, you need to go, I don't have that and I don't even know how to get that, but Lord, will you help me? Our hearts need to, to have this beat of Psalm 42, verses one and two that says, as a deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? This desire to be in his presence all the days of our life. And so I want to share the story of a pastor who was asked this by the Lord. Just know um, when God asks you a question, he already knows uh, the answer. And I tend to to, uh, have my knees knocking if he asks me a question. But this was the question, what would you want from me? And so this pastor reached for his Bible and said, I want everything in this book. And so so then the Lord replied to him and said, if you can find it, you can have it. And so we do need to read God's word. And it's not just about cognitively seeing the words on the page, but it's about pursuing the person who gives them to us. And as we pursue the person who gives these things to us, we are pursuing our creator God who knows us, who formed us, who knew what he formed us for before we were even in our mother's womb. And he knitted us together so that we could go and perform that which he has caused us to, to, to do. He has prepared good works for each and every one of us. And so what does this have to do with temptation? So here's a quote for you concerning temptation. We tend to think of temptation as all the big sins that uh, in, human, in, in the human understanding we go, if I don't do those, I'm a good person. But here's what temptation is. Temptation is an enticement to get a person to act contrary to God's will. Temptation is an enticement to get a person to act contrary to God's will. And so when we understand that that's really temptation, so temptation could be that I just, maybe I do come to church and I do go to life group and I do say all the nice Christianese things. I even say, be blessed brother when I leave, right? Or when someone asks, how are you? I reply with, I am blessed. I even act that way. Temptation could be doing all of those things, but not actually truly seeking the Lord with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. It could be to put the facade of Christianity on instead of living out the life of God that He's placed inside of you because He came to give us life and life in abundance and that life is not religion, that life is moving and living and having our being in who? In Him. And so as we do that, we need to read His words, spend time with Him and allow Him to transform us, do not fall into the temptation that distracts you. And so maybe you get tempted by fear, or by money, or by influence, or by prestige. Whatever it may be that impacts us, that causes us to stumble, Lord, I pray that you will strengthen us, and that your word will be alive in us, sharper than any two-edged sword so that we can live out those predetermined answers. And so now I want to give you a new word for predetermined answers um, so that A, it's easier to remember because predetermined answers is a bit of a mouthful, and B, because it's actually the reality of what it is. Having a predetermined answer is having wisdom. It's knowing what the Word of God says and applying it because every time you are confronted with that thing, you know what the Lord wants you to do And because of that, you apply that, which he tells you. And so if we wish to step into this year and live in the power of God and have the victory that he desires for us, we need to daily draw near to him. We need to daily walk with him. We need to daily submit to him. And we need to daily read his word, eat his word in great amounts and not just those three to five verses that maybe you have in that particular plan. If that's what you're reading, that's fine. May I challenge you to then take an extra 10 minutes to go and do a deeper study concerning those three to five verses. And as you do that, you will see that the Word of God will transform you and you will see the world through His eyes and not your own. And as we see the world through His eyes and not our own, suddenly it's a bit harder to convince us of things that are not godly. And we can see through the lies. And I want to encourage you that everyone needs to sometimes have someone uh, look at them and say, but that's not what the word of God says. And the reason I say that is even Elisha's servant, who was wholeheartedly serving, had this moment where Elisha had to pray and said, Lord, show him. And yet, and Elisha's servant saw that there were more for them than they were against them. And so maybe you might be serving the Lord wholeheartedly. And as I speak to you, you're going, I I don't really know what you're wanting me to do because other than the time that I sleep, I'm not sure where I can fit all of this in. Sometimes we need to just ask the Lord, Lord, show me. I am serving you wholeheartedly. I do want more of you, but show me. Show me your way. And so I leave this scripture uh, with you before we go into The time of communion, it's Acts 17, verse 6b. It says, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. And so, what was happening there, they were speaking about the disciples. They were angry that the disciples were in this area because these that have turned the world upside down have come here now too. They're going to ruin what we are doing because they, are, they have a different way of living. And because of their different way of living, they impact those around them. And so my prayer for each and every one of us is that that will be said of us. That these who have turned the world upside down are now here too. Maybe in your workspace. That you turn that workspace upside down. Because the presence of God is upon you. And because the presence of God is upon you, people can't help but be transformed. And so we ask the Lord to move in us and through us and that we will be compelled to do that which we wouldn't ordinarily do as we go into this year that we don't just look at what we have planned and when we have planned and how we have planned, but that we ask the Lord, Lord use me more mightily than I could imagine in this very thing that maybe I have planned. And if it is within your will that I do this thing, let me go in it, but if it's not your will, please turn that upside down too. Because it will be a much more powerful life than just doing the mundane daily thing that you think is right. And so as we get the communion elements. Uh, ready? You can take the wafer or the bread. And as we go into this time, how do we remember Jesus during communion? We remember what He did for us. We remember what, that did, what, what He did for us and what that means for us thereafter. We remember that when we hold up this bread and we eat this bread, we should remember how Jesus was broken and pierced. And beaten with stripes for our redemption. And that even because of that, we can say it is written. Because of what He did on the way to the cross and on the cross. And He says it in Matthew 26, verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it. And gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And so Father, we hold up this bread right now and we thank you, Jesus, that this this bread or this wafer represents your body and what you did and that you took all of our punishment upon yourself and that as you took that punishment upon yourself that we now today can remember and as we remember this, we can know and be confident that it is a finished work of the cross. So take the cup, we remember His blood. We remember His life poured out for us on cavalry. Calvary. And as we remember His life poured out for us on Calvary, we, we remember that His blood has made us clean. His blood has washed us clean from all sin. We remember that because of the finished work of the cross, we are now in right standing with God the Father. We remember that because of that, we can come boldly into his throne room. And so, Jesus, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for what you did for us on the cross. We thank you that you have washed us white as snow. We thank you that we are now in right standing with God the Father. Thank you. And Lord, if there's anything that we've done, we say, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry where I missed it with that. Lord, I come to you and I repent of that. I lay it down. It is no longer part of my life. And I thank you for being cleansed once more. I thank you that your blood was shed once for all. I'll take over the cup and so we thank you Jesus we thank you for the finished work of the cross and we thank you that as we remember what you did on that day we can also remember what that day means for each and every one of us and that it is the central thing in our lives concerning you Jesus that For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever shall believe in Him shall have eternal life. And that he who has the Son has life. And we thank You that that is the case. And we thank You that when we come and we repent of our sins, that You are faithful to forgive those sins. And so Lord, I ask that as we go out into into the start of this week, That each and every one of us will be compelled to do more than what we would have done. That we'll be compelled to go where we would not have gone. That we'll be compelled to do that which we wouldn't have done. That we'll be compelled to do all of that in your name, for your name, so that others will come to know the truth of the gospel. So that others may come to know the love of Christ. Lord, use us in everything that we do. Use us in our workspace, use us in our families, use us with our friends, use us in our daily interactions with people who do not yet know you. May we go out and truly share the gospel, both in word and deed. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.